Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Grant us, we pray, O Lord our God, the constant gladness of being devoted to you. For it is full and lasting happiness to serve with constancy the author of all that is good. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Malachi. The day is coming now, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and the evil doers will be like stubble. The day is coming, is going to burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, leaving them neither root nor stalk. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will shine out with healing in its rays. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord comes to rule the earth with justice. The Lord comes to rule the earth with justice. Sing psalms to the Lord with the harp, with the sound of music, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Acclaim the King, the Lord. The Lord comes to rule the earth with justice. Let the sea and all within it thunder, the world and all its peoples. Let the river clap their hands and the hills ring out their joy at the presence of the Lord. The Lord comes to rule the earth with justice. For the Lord comes, he comes to rule the earth. He will rule the world with justice and the peoples with fairness. The Lord comes to rule the earth with justice. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. You know how you are supposed to imitate us. Now we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we ever have our meals at anyone's table without paying for them. No, we worked night and day, slaving and straining, so as not to be a burden on any of you. This was not because we had no right to be, but in order to make ourselves an example for you to follow. We gave you a rule, when we were with you, do not let anyone have any food if he refuses to do any work. Now we hear that there are some of you who are living in idleness, doing no work themselves, but interfering with everyone else's. In the Lord Jesus Christ, we order and call on people of this kind to go on quietly working and earning the food that they eat. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Lift up your heads and see. Your redemption is near at hand. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When some were talking about the temple... Remarking how it was adorned with fine stonework and votive offerings, Jesus said, All these things you are staring at now, the time will come 
when not a single stone will be left on another, everything will be destroyed. And they put to him this question, Master, they said, when will this happen then? And what sign will there be that this is about to take place? Take care not to be deceived, he said. Because many will come using my name and saying, I am he, and the time is near at hand. Refuse to join them. And when you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. For this is something that must happen, but the end is not so soon. Then he said to them, Nation will fight against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and plagues and famines here and there. There will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all this happens, men will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and to imprisonment, and bring you before kings and governors because of my name. And that will be your opportunity to bear witness. Keep this carefully in mind. You are not to prepare your defence, because I myself shall give you an eloquence and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed, even by parents and brothers, relations and friends, and some of you will be put to death. You will be hated by all men on account of my name. But not a hair of your head will be lost. Your endurance will win you your lives. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As part of my studies for the priesthood, I had the great fortune of spending four years in Rome. And I must say, one of my favourite things to do was to visit St. Peter's Basilica. Um, And every time walking into the Basilica, you know, I, I, I got to know it quite well, but every time I walked through the doors, the magnificent side of the Basilica would literally take my breath away. And it's weird because I kind of knew that it was coming. I, I knew that I'd have this reaction. And so you'd think that you'd, you'd come to expect something magnificent. But the weird thing was, even when I knew that it was going to surpass my expectations, every time I walked in, it just struck me. This is even more impressive than what I remember and what I expect. I never got bored and I was never disappointed walking inside that church. Now, the seminary where I lived uh, was the North American College, which is very close to St. Peter's Basilica. We were just a little bit up the hill on the geniculum. Uh, And I was up on the fourth floor. uh, And when I leaned out of my window, don't worry, I didn't lean too far. But but when I looked out of my window, I could see the dome of St. Peter's Basilica. And it really was a spectacular sight. But a weird thought would go through my mind sometimes, and I don't know, maybe it was because it was close to the London bombings and the bombings in Madrid, the trains there. Um, But I would wonder, wow, what if there was a terrorist attack at St. Peter's Basilica? What if, you know, I looked out of my fourth floor window and, and just saw the tail of a plane poking out of this magnificent dome? It's a bit of a macabre thought, I suppose, but... One night, it would have been about two o'clock in the morning, there was an almighty bang. And my first instinct was to stick my head out of the window and see if maybe there'd been a bombing at St. Peter's. 
It turned out the Vatican was fine, uh, but the seminary was struck by lightning. None of us tried to read any omens into that little occurrence. But it seems that what St. Luke is describing in the Gospel today might be a similar kind of experience, perhaps. Well, the disciples are in Jerusalem with our Lord Jesus, and it's only days before Judas Iscariot going off to betray Jesus to the chief priests that one single act which sets in motion Jesus' passion and death. Uh, and you know what? Like Without fear, the Lord Jesus stands with his disciples in the walls of the great temple of Jerusalem. And they're admiring the intricacy of the stonework and the adornments. These votive offerings which Luke mentions would have been decorations which wealthy Jews had placed in the temple as a thanksgiving for graces that they'd received from God. Well, without a doubt, the temple in Jerusalem stood as one of the grandest buildings of the ancient world. Um, And especially since King Herod the Great had undertaken a big renovation and expansion of the temple, must have been a truly breathtaking experience. Something like walking into St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. You can just imagine never getting tired of it and every time being surprised at having underestimated its magnificence yet again. (laughs) Well, it's while gazing up at the beauty of the temple that Jesus makes a startling prophecy. All these things you're staring at now The time will come when not a single stone will be left on another. Everything will be destroyed. I mean, it's hard to fathom those kinds of words, especially with the disciples standing there right in the middle of the temple, looking at its glory. You see, the temple wasn't just the pride of Jewish architecture and engineering. And it wasn't just, you know, the great monument at the heart of the city of Jerusalem. Its value wasn't just in its bricks and mortar. It was in the religious importance to the people. The temple wasn't important because it was in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was important because it contained the temple. The Jews understood the temple of Jerusalem to be the place where God dwelt amongst his people. It was the place where God was rightly worshipped, according to the rites prescribed in the law of Moses. The temple was the place where Jews would go to have their sins forgiven, where they would make sin offerings, the appropriate sacrifice. The temple was where they would go to receive instruction in the law, and where they'd come for healing. Remember those votive offerings that were there? those gifts that people had left in the temple as a sign of the graces that they'd received from God? Well, the Jews would come to the temple to offer sacrifice, to offer gifts to God in thanksgiving, to be with God. And there in the temple, the Jews would hear the law discussed and debated. Remember when Jesus was found in the temple at the age of 12, asking the scholars questions? It's where they would receive instruction on how to remain a faithful Jew. And so the Holy of Holies in the temple, the inner sanctum, the sanctuary, 
was understood to be the place par excellence where God was among his people. And the temple was that bridge between heaven and earth. And now we hear Jesus predicting the downfall of the temple and the priesthood that served it. What a truly devastating prophecy for the Jews. Uh, And in fact, it's a prophecy that comes to its fulfillment in the year 70, when the temple of Jerusalem is completely destroyed and razed to the ground by the Roman army in response to a Jewish revolt. But you see, for the Jews, the destruction of the temple is far worse than it would be for us if St. Peter's Basilica was demolished. Because it's not just a monument that we lose. It interrupted the religious life of the Jews. But here's the thing. Though the temple in Jerusalem is being destroyed, God himself will not abandon his people. Because here's the kicker. Jesus himself is the fulfillment of the temple. He's the new temple. So Jews would go to the temple to offer sacrifice and have their sins forgiven. Now we go to Jesus for mercy. And the sacrifice that is offered is his body. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God offered on the altar of the cross. No longer a mere lamb sacrificed on the altar of the temple. The Jews would go to the temple in order to hear the teachings on the law of Moses. But when we seek to learn the definitive fulfillment of the law of love, we turn to Christ. He's the lawgiver. And the Jews would turn to the temple in order to receive healing. Well, we bring our souls to Christ for his saving touch. So where the temple was understood to be the place where God dwelt amongst his people, we now turn to Jesus, who isn't merely a dwelling place of God, but God himself dwelling among his people. Jesus of Nazareth, who is fully man and fully God, he is now the definitive bridge and the eternal mediator between God and man. We pray to the Father in this new temple of Jesus. Remember, we pray through Christ our Lord. Here we see a great mystery of God's providence. The temple of Jerusalem was destroyed in the year 70, but not before God had established the new and definitive temple among his new people. Jesus himself, Jesus, his son. And with our Lord Jesus in our midst, the temple in Jerusalem, it served its purpose. It had pointed toward Jesus. And now that Christ abides with us, it's finished pointing. And so we look to our Lord Jesus. We look upon his beauty in the way that the disciples gazed at the beauty of the temple of Jerusalem. Because every time we turn to him, we're amazed. Every time we turn to him, we find that we've we've underestimated him again and again and again. Encountering our Lord Jesus is truly breathtaking.
I suppose we can't skip over the fact that Jesus doesn't just prophesy about the destruction of the temple. He also talks about the calamities that we too will endure. Remember, men will seize you and persecute you. They'll hand you over to the synagogues and to imprisonment. They'll put you before kings and governors because of my name. And then we heard about kingdom rising against kingdom, nation against nation. Plagues, famines, wars, fearful sights and great signs in heaven. I think you'd be forgiven for being a little bit unsettled by the words of Jesus. And let's face it, plague's been a topic of conversation for the last three years. And wars, well, especially in the last few months. But maybe there's something important here about God's providence. Jesus prophesies the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, knowing full well that the temple in Jerusalem isn't needed anymore because he himself is the new temple. Before the temple was ever destroyed, God had already replaced it. In his loving providence, he'd already given us far more than we would possibly lose. Maybe that's a good takeaway from this gospel. The Lord provides. Maybe we think that the presence of Earthquakes and plagues and famines and war are a sign that that God's losing control or that everything's just falling apart. But the Lord reminds us all of these things must happen. And God in his providence has already given us far more than we could possibly lose. The Lord Jesus, he reminds us, he says, look, there are going to be plenty who say that I'm he. Refuse to join them. Why? Because I'm with you. I'm here already. All you have is here. And so in the face of everything that's unsettling, whether it's geopolitics, whether it's the state of our country, whether it's the state of our family, or even just the state of our souls and our own lives, The Lord reminds us, don't be frightened. Don't run away. There are plenty that are going to call you away from me. Refuse to join them. Your endurance will win you your lives. Thanks for praying with us. And may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.